Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz. And my guest today is New York Times best-selling author Brian Eisenberg. He, with the, he, along with his brother Jeffrey and Anthony Garcia, have a new book out called Buyer Legends, an Executive Storyteller's Guide. So, Brian, thanks for joining me. It is a real pleasure. I think you've... Um, is this the third time maybe you've been on the show? I know... I think with... With your, I your, think it has been the third. Yeah, I, I think it is with Cat and then uh, ABC. Uh, yeah, and and so it, it, two things that came to mind right away. Number one, you know, I'll I'll never forget when I was on my book tour and I came. We saw each other in person. Went to the mall together with uh, uh, with Lee. Yeah. Um, and then I came through and we met at a hotel. That's right. You were recording another episode. You were doing something and we did it live. I stuck a recorder actually in your face. A rare, rare thing these days. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then we, we got to see each other, you know, a little bit in, uh, in Colorado. That's a few right. months ago That's... at uh, Brian Clark's event. Uh, so. I, I assume you'll be heading back out to, uh, to that again. I am orchestrating it. Uh, um, there's a, you know, there's a few things on my plate right now. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a question of where I'll be All depending right. on that. Well, I'll, I'll be there in May. I, I, it's a, it's a great uh, deal. And uh, Brian and I are cooking up some evil plans. So hopefully we'll roll some of those out there. So let's talk about your book. Um, I, I, again, I guess I it probably um, should start with having you define, you know, what are buyer legends? Um, so buyer legends is a process that, we developed after working two years at Google. Now, mind you, you know, for over, wow, 20 years of conversion optimization, people keep coming up to us like, what's the number one secret of like that I could do today that would make me successful? And over and over again, and we come up with all kinds of tactics around, you know, design and copy and SEO and PPC and analytics. And, you know, we, we delve into all those specialties and, you know, they all provide different kinds of benefits, but they didn't provide that, overall change to an organization. And when we went back and, you know, my brother and I haven't had an agency now for a few years. We've just been consulting a little bit on the side and we were asked by Google to help them work with their team on their SMB acquisition team for AdWords. And as we started going through this and they gave us the patience to really start, you know, looking um, to identify how they can change organizationally we realized that this process that we developed years ago that, that stand out of persuasion architecture using personas and creating stories out of the personas about how they went through their own buying journey, any company that ultimately changed from their DNA level to be more focused in on being customer-centric and more data-driven, they were using these stories. And so we created Buyer Legends sort of as a shortcut to that same process that we used to take months and, you know, six figures plus to, to do. And now just about anybody can do them in under 90 minutes, right? You can read the book in 30 and you can write your first buyer legend in, in 90 minutes and have 75% of the impact of what we used to charge beforehand. Well, I mean, I mean, marketers have certainly used this idea of personas and stories, I think, pretty effectively. And not, not every marketer, but a lot of marketers, I think, have realized the value of that. Is this something, I mean, you've used the word DNA and, and use it across the organization. I mean, are you suggesting that this is something deeper than that practice of using personas and, and you know, de- defining those persona stories to use in marketing? Yeah, so buyer legends is what 
basically needs to circulate from everywhere from boardroom to stockroom. Because if you think about it today, you know, so uh, actually, I'll break it down to a couple of pieces. So first of all, if you look at the most successful brands today, um, what we find is that three attributes that make them tremendously successful. And, you know, I've I've had a huge passion for Amazon and Jeff Bezos and his management style. There's a couple of interesting things there. So number one, you know, you have to be customer centric and taking a persona perspective to your marketing obviously helps you become customer centric, right? You're looking at the world through their eyes. And from a brand marker's point of view, you know, you're telling, you know, their story. They're the hero on the journey, um, on their buying journey. It has nothing to do about your product. And so if you look like Apple advertising over the years, it's always about what people could do with their products as opposed to talking about their products. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the first part. The second thing is that they've got to be data driven. So it's one thing to be a storyteller, but if you don't tie it into business metrics, you don't tie it into analytics, at the end of the day, it's fiction. Right. right. It's creative fiction. It, it is not uh, something that that's really uh, impactful to your business. And so how do you align it with the proper metrics? And I'll tell you, I'll tell you in a minute how Amazon does it. And I think it, it'll be very clear to the audience in, in a moment. And then lastly, they get managed by narrative, because, again, when we think about Amazon, we know they're super data centric. We know they right. perform lots of tests. Right. They're, they're constantly running their metrics and all that. But at the end of the day. If you sit in a meeting with Jeff Bezos, first of all, there's a seat in the, in the boardroom that represents the customer, and they're always there. But every boardroom, there's never a PowerPoint allowed. You have to write a five to six page narrative, really explaining what you want to get across, the background uh, information, so that everything that's important is really crystal clear in a document. And in fact, even if you want to release a new product, you write a press release first, aimed at the consumer. And then you can talk about getting code or anything else. So Amazon is an example, or Airbnb is another great example we talk about in our book. They are customer-centric organizations that are driven by data, right? managed by data, but they're managed by that narrative. And I think that's the critical piece that does it. And so when you think about Amazon, right? And, and I'll ask you, what do, what do you think about brand Amazon? When, when, it, when, when you think of it, what does it mean to you as a consumer? Well, I'm a huge shopper, and so for, on Amazon, and for me, probably the biggest thing it means is convenience. Yep, convenience. And what does that mean? So a great selection. Yeah, I know they always get it. I know they delivered something to my door on Sunday this last week. Um, yep. I, you know, it, generally speaking, I just assume this may or may not be true. It's a pretty good price. Um, I to tell you the truth, yep. the convenience trumps that for me. But um, but I, I think it's really just I trust they're probably going to have what I want. It's probably going to be good quality, and I'll probably get it within a day or two. So, so that's exactly it. That is the that is the brand that they care about, and then you're going to have a great experience with it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Every manager at uh, an Amazon, like category manager, has four metrics that they run their category with. Can I tell you what those four metrics are? All right. It's not going to, it's not going to shock you. <laughs> Number one, selection. They're judged, and their goal is to have seven times the category depth of any of the competitors in the same category. So if we're looking at TVs, they're going to have seven times as many TVs as Best Buy, this one, that one. Get it? Yep. That's what you're looking for. It's one of the things you look for from Amazon. That benefits you as a customer, but that's their metric. Price. 
their goal is to be between 5 and 13% lower than their top five competitors. It's why they change their price up to 2.5 million times a day. Yeah. Right? Okay. That benefits who? Certainly benefits you, consumer the customer. Rights, right? right? Availability. They turn their inventory 20 times a year, and over 90-something percent of their orders are fulfilled from zone zero or zone one. Which means, you know, they're getting it to you, you know, within yeah. two days. Yeah. Okay. Uh, only Apple turns their inventory more times, which is shocking, 74 times hmm. on high margin products. We'd all love to be in that business. <laughs> um, Walmart, by comparison, uh, turns their inventory only uh, seven, seven something times a year, eight times a year. Okay. So, again, that availability, that the fact that they can get you all those products even on a Sunday, is another benefit to you. And then lastly, their goal is to have their customer experience scores to be higher than any other competitors. And it averages 13% higher than every other competitor on the American Customer Satisfaction Index. And I like to tell this story as a perfect example. I went ahead, I got a new laptop uh, this past year. I needed a new backup drive because this one um, didn't have the USB 2 Firewire cable. It had uh, you know, their new um, um, Thunderbolt cable for, for it. And I ordered the wrong one. And so I went ahead and I requested a refund. And sure enough, I get the label, no hassles, right? Of course. And I get the label and it sits on my desk for a couple of weeks. Finally, about two and a half weeks later, I take the label, I put it on the box. I bring the box into the UPS store. It gets scanned. And within a couple of hours, I get an email from Amazon saying the credit is on my credit card. Hmm. Now, they didn't wait until it shipped, until it got into their warehouse, until they inspected it, right? They know what kind of a customer I am, how much, how much loyalty I've gotten to them. And what's the risk of giving me the credit? But... What's the experience like and how many thousands of people have I told yeah. that they delighted me in the fact that, hey, that money was now mine right away. I didn't have to wait for it like every other retailer in the world. What are and the, so, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. All right. And so those metrics are completely aligned. Their manager metrics are completely aligned with their brand story from the point of view of the customer, not isolated from the point of view of their business. So one of the points that I think you make pretty well in this book is that then you have to drive this deeper. So, I mean, if I'm, if I'm managing a department, say I'm managing the sporting goods department, I mean, I, those metrics make to, total sense to me. But let's say my job is I am a buyer um, who goes out and finds, you know, one category, baseball gloves <laughs> in sporting goods. I mean, how do, how do you drive that narrative down into the organization uh, where maybe some of those metrics don't? I mean, they, they ultimately mean something to me, but they, they're, they're not as relevant. Well, so, so that's exactly it, right? If you think about this Amazon story, right, we all know the brand story, right? And so everybody knows, right, obviously, you know, delighting customers is an important part of the brand story. And so it's, uh, this obviously came from someone in the returns department that said, hey, we can tell right away when someone's already put one of their products in the system. We can judge it based on their past history. And, you know, we can give them credit immediately. What would that do? Yeah. And they obviously ran an experiment. Yeah. They get a lot of social buzz because of it, I'm sure. Yeah. Right? And it pays off. And so now someone in that department got credit for it. It wasn't someone that's a, a marketing manager who made that decision. I'm sure it wasn't. Right. They're never thinking about returns from that perspective. The thing is, that story is told throughout the whole organization. Everybody is keenly aware of what Amazon's goals are for their customers. Like I said, from boardroom to stockroom. And that is what makes that cohesive experience. Because if you want to have a, a good brand, yeah, you can shout it from the rooftops and hope some people will talk about it. If you want to have a legendary brand, it's the stories that customers 
tell the next customer that tells the next customer that tells the next customer. And the only way you do that is by mapping out that customer experience and giving both your customers and your internal staff a legend in which to navigate that customer experience. Yeah. Um, you know, story, it's interesting. Stories and storytelling has, uh, I think it's always been important, but it seems like every other book that I, that I get sent these days is, is talking about leaders being storytellers, about, you know, marketing and about brands telling stories. I, I think at some level we've always known stories were more effective than, you know, some elements. Why, why don't we use them more thoroughly as you are describing? You know what? I think that's a brilliant question. And um, my good friend Roy Williams and my friend Michael Drew wrote a book called Pendulum. And they talk about how, you know, society goes back in these swings from, you know, uh, you know, from one set of values to another set of values. And, you know, I, I look at the spectrum of advertising, right? And I look at all the, the, the things that people, and they talk about the cycle being in 40 years. And I, so I go back into like the 60s, you know, late 60s time. And I look at David Ogilvy and the time social media came about. And he talked about transparency, treating your customer with respect, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's your, it's your wife. Uh, and all these values all of a sudden kind of resurged over the last few years, obviously, with, with, the, with social media. Yeah. I also think at the same time, Obviously, with, with, you know, the growth of, you know, Google AdWords and, you know, uh, web analytics and, um, you know, Facebook advertising, all that, we've gotten so focused in on this data-driven exact metric numbers that we've took all the storytelling out of our ads and we've been so focused in on the, the utility of the ads. You know, and then again, nothing, there's nothing wrong with utility. And, I, you know, obviously, I love search, but it's not the whole spectrum of what, brands need to do in order to build a marketplace. We, you know, we need to tell a story. And, and one of my favorite examples, and it's so contemporary, is this one that uh, Airbnb just released um, on, on their Belong Anywhere campaign, right? With, uh, you know, with, a, um, uh, with this guy who used to guard one side of the wall with the other guard on mm -hmm. the other side of the Berlin Wall. And uh, the, the daughter wants to bring him back to Germany because you know, he still has pain and they end up going to an Airbnb with that, with that other guard from the other, you know, from the other side. And it changes his whole perspective. And, you know, it's a great little story how they do it, but you know what? Yes, it's very customer driven and it's, you know, and it's very metrics driven. Um, and it's a great example of using a story to, to, again, put their customer, right. That, that, that young lady who wants to take her father on a journey and, and help him heal over his time in Germany. Um, and it's about them. It's not about Airbnb. Airbnb was just, there to help, sort of, yeah. and that's it. You know, one of the and it works. It, one of the big points that I think that you make is this idea of being data driven, because I do think marketers have a tendency to create personas and even stories that that should sound good. Um, and I think that that's you know that's probably one of the dangers of of looking at you know not not making the story tied back to the the objectives. Um, and I think that uh, uh, one of the things that I, I and you mentioned it at the outset uh, that uh, there you have, you know, you can read this book and do it in 90 minutes. And so uh, you want to talk about the exercise that you have in there and how we, how we might actually go about doing what you've suggested. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, obviously we're not going to go into all the details and exactly how to do it. Cause that, that you know, that would take us like three podcasts um, <laughs> or they can read 46 pages in That's a Kindle right. book, right? Which is really, really short. It takes less than a half an hour to read. 
But the general premise is there's four key steps that we give people in terms of writing their first narrative after they read the book, which is the first thing they have to do is they have to choose a perspective, right? Who's the customer? Who's the persona? And, you know, what we found is, you know, you can have either super refined personas with lots of details and lots of research behind them, or even if you take just very simple abstract things, it'll start zeroing in on uh, on getting closer to that person is and, you know, giving them a name and giving them a, uh, a picture. So you can kind of start getting some empathy about them. And so I think that's the first thing. And I'll take you about 15 minutes just to, to choose that perspective and, and write a little bit about who this person is. And we'll give you some tips on how to, on how to do that as well. The next thing you want to do is what we call a, a pre-mortem. And that's probably going to take you about 10 minutes. And what we want you to do there is basically have your team imagine what that customer's journey would have been like if they got all the way to the end but didn't buy from you. What were all the things that could have gone wrong? What are all the things where they, they could have chosen a competitor over you? Um, and to find all those holes. Um, and, and, and it really helps kind of um, – you know, look at it that way because you start saying, oh, wow, there, you know, we can start identifying some gaps in the right. experience, but we're not trying to fix it there. In the next 15 minutes, what we ask you to do is, okay, so now that you've identified some of these, go back to the successful completion of the project and work yourself backwards, step by step, what would have done, right, in reverse chronological order if everything went right, right? What content would have been there? What would we message differently? How would we have made them feel here? Uh, what would we wanted to make sure that they understood at this point? And you work your way all the way back to they maybe originally heard about you in some kind of an ad. And then once you have that outline in reverse chronology, you'll take the next 50 minutes or so, could be less depending on how good of a writer or bad of a writer you are, and you'll start writing a draft going forward now um, of what happened in, in that legend. And what we found is even bad legends – help customers great, get great success. So we have one um, uh, testimonial on the Amazon page, and we later found out who it was. Um, and this guy went ahead, and he's, he, he, the first person to tell you, he hates writing. He hates you know, any of this stuff. It's hard for him to think about these details. He owns an online business. He sells a few million dollars worth of nutritional products. And he sat down, and he did this, and he forced himself through it. It took him three weeks to get everything executed after he wrote his first legend. And he increased his business by 46%. Okay. Yeah. An hour and a half and three weeks of fixing problems. Yes. Yeah. 46% on a few million dollars. Uh, that's a pretty good return on investment. Now, of course, you know, we've also seen testimonials from folks that like IBM and, and we've done Google and stuff like that. Um, but we've also seen it work with guys who own, you know, brick and mortar ma mattress shops. Sure. And again, it helped them rethink about the way they thought of their, about their business. I mean, they've been in that business for 30 years. This helped them reframe it because they've never been able to, to step outside and think about it. So and mind you, you know, we've worked with personas with this person before, but this process got them thinking quite differently than ever beforehand. Uh, and it's mostly because they're able to do it, and it's not us as consultants doing it for them. We've been, um, I mean, I've been working this, this concept in a lot of ways for years. I mean, I have this thing we call the marketing hourglass, which is the, the whole customer journey for us. And we've, uh, I, you know, we, we even talk about, you know, think begin with the end in mind, which is the referral um, and, and yep. work backwards. <laughs> and so uh, um, a lot of this, I mean, I've been doing this with organizations for uh, quite some time and, and, and I've actually had a lot of luck doing these um, as in the right culture as group exercises. Do you find that this is something that, Maybe an entire team could work on, or in a smaller organization, maybe everybody. It, that's exactly it. it it's funny. Um, we refer to the process that Airbnb uses. 
Um, there's a there's a great video online if you look at fast companies uh, they call it their uh, Cinderella project um, and uh, you can go ahead and you can watch and they bring a Pixar artist in there and they talk about how they bring everybody together the whole organization customer service uh, it, it, all over the place their analytics all the details and then they create these storyboards of how they do this and it's very similar to how we used to do it again the more expensive process right um, but yes if you go ahead the more people you involve the more people you get buy in right? The more cohesive the story will be from that boardroom to Stockholm, and which is what you're really looking to do. So yeah, absolutely. This can be team exercises. The more perspectives you bring in here, the stronger this is going to be. As long as you remember the, the hero of that journey of this narrative has to be the customer, yeah. not you. But it's funny That's how, the, how this, fundamental. you know, because marketing and sales and service, you know, are so siloed and just this process of, of them talking about, I've found, the customer journey actually together is one of the quickest ways to, you know, to not only find the gaps, but, but get them talking about how can we, how can we make this seamless? Yeah. And what we also find is when we tie it back to the individual persona, right. And their journey, there doesn't seem to be that accusing of, well, Oh, you know, you guys in sales, you know, miss this and do that. And there's no blaming on it, right? right? Because it's all about, oh, how that customer feels. Yep. And yep. what can we do to help them? That's right. And I think that's the critical part. And I think a lot of the journeys are about people protecting, you know, they're doing things right. And, and you know what? There's lots of telling people throughout the whole organization. And it's just giving them that fabric to, to weave together. And, th you know, that tapestry can come from creating stories together. And, and that's, that's, again, that's where the legends come from. That's, what, that's why when we, picking that word, um, took weeks, right? But when you think about the term legend, it has so many meanings, yeah. everything from, you know, the old fable to the map legend. Yes. Um, that we found that, um, yeah, people really love getting into the process and working on it together and then working to make sure they come to life. And that's the, and then the customers are telling that legend. The, and that's what's beautiful. The, um, you mentioned the person that had the, uh, I don't know what it was, the 46% growth or something. Um, yep. So obviously that's a that's a pretty easy one to measure. But uh, how, how do you generally go about, because for some people, this could be an exercise that's kind of new and now they've got this legend and now what do I do with it? I mean, how do you get people to understand the value uh, or even measure the value of, of this approach if it's something that's kind of new for them? Yeah, so what we tell people, you know, and we talk about the, the 10 essential elements of a, of a buyer legend, um, you know, it's right, and it's right, again, in, in, in the book. Um, the last one is how will you measure it? And, you know, mind you, you know, I was the founder of the Digital Analytics Association. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm very big on analytics. Yeah. So I'm going to be the first to tell you, you know, we went decades, century plus, without ever having accurate analytics for marketing. Right? Yeah, we right. just looked at sales and growth and uh, and, and, uh, and customers talking to us and people coming back to us. And so what I tell people is, you know what, look for signs yeah. of what you can measure. It doesn't have to be perfectly accurate. The only thing that's perfectly accurate is dollars and cents, period. Okay. Everything else is just an approximation. And so find the points where you can get proxies for metrics. So look, if you're running a, a, a brand campaign around, you know, uh, belong anywhere and you want to get a sense of, you know, how people are talking about it. Well, you know, you'll start looking for people doing searches around Airbnb, Berlin wall. And right. All of those are proxies for people saw your ad. Yeah. Right. And you hope at the end of it, 
that eventually drives people into a funnel. It's not going to mean you're going to be able to tie it all in together. You, you may never be able to tie it all together in perfect attribution. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. But as long as you're getting some indications that you've got some right pieces happening, then you're probably on the right track. I, I think just creating a common language that everybody is using now <laughs> is, is uh, probably one of the immediate benefits that, that you're all talking about what you do and why you do it and who you do it for in the same language. Exactly. Exactly. So buyerlegends.com, you uh, also have some resources there. And, and uh, of course, the book can be uh, uh, purchased, I'm, I'm guessing, primarily Amazon or is it in the Apple store as well? Yeah, it, it's it's um, exclusively on Amazon okay. for the first month of release, and then it'll, it'll go on others, and it'll also be a print-on-demand version. Um, there's a whole long story behind that one. Um, yeah, we've got a bunch of resources, including the legend we wrote to ourselves about why we wrote the book. <laughs> and I think a lot of people would find that very insightful, especially if you're a marketer, right, uh, and how we're trying to appeal to marketers and how we approach writing this. Uh, and of course, inside there is a little Easter egg. For those of you who've been around this, the industry, you might actually recognize the Easter egg that's in there. Awesome. Um, a little, little, little fun there. And you know, as we keep getting more podcasts like this one and others, we'll, we'll put them up there. We want to try to make this valuable for people. We'll also be launching a few courses from there. Um, you know, we, we've used Legends um, with companies to help them uh, create content marketing plans. We've done it so that they can help improve their uh, testing programs. Um, and so we'll, we're also going to be offering courses on there for people who want to take this to the next level because there's all kinds of legends, right? You can have a social media legend. You can have a public relations legend. Mm-hmm. And they're all built around the same personas, right? But they're just describing the story from different perspectives, right? It doesn't change anything. Yeah, you, I mean, you could – I mean, there's so many ways you could create matrices of this because uh, you, you would end up having – you might have personas different. You might have one persona that would apply to six different products that you sell, um, and that Correct. and that application would then be different, or or eight different departments in your right. organization right. and how they touch. Yeah, very cool. Well, always great catching up with you, Brian, and uh, really enjoyed the book. Uh, and, and it's you know the good news is this is where I get to tell people if you're thinking, oh, do I need another book? What's it? Two ninety nine, three ninety nine. <laughs> Two ninety nine. Two ninety nine. So uh, if you if you're one of those Kindle all you can eat people, what's it called? Kindle Unlimited. Uh, you can even it's get free. Yep. it's free. So uh, so this is a book that you need to get. And what I love about, it, of course, I'm a big fan of books that have actual exercises and teach you how to do something. That uh, it's not. Uh, I mean, it, it's great to be inspired. It's great to get good theory. But uh, every now and then, you want to walk away and say, Hey, this is an exercise I can do. And, and that was the part that excited us the most because, you know, as we started seeing the reviews pop up on Amazon and we're a little over 50 reviews now at 4.9 stars, how many people sat there and actually said, hey, you know, I just finished writing my legends. I just came up with these donor legends. I just, and it's like, you know, you know, we've both written books and it's great to hear people say, oh, I've read your book and stuff like that. And you go look at their business, you know, like, yeah, but did you apply it? <laughs> right. <laughs> right? And so to hear that we've actually inspired people to actually go ahead and start using this immediately to us has been the most you know, rewarding part of, of putting this out there. Because, I mean, we've been trying to get people to think like this for 20 years, and I think this is probably the uh, easiest um, we've ever made it for people. And I'm hoping that we see a lot more organizations you know, leverage the type of things that an Amazon could do today uh, so that they can grow their business with their type of thinking. And um, it's powerful. Yeah. It really is incredibly powerful. And it's, and it's simple, not easy. Might be a lesson in there too for authors. Uh, really short, impactful, uh, focused books uh, might uh, might have a market after all, huh? I think there's a I think there's a big market for what I'm calling singles as opposed to full albums yeah. today. Yeah, 
if, but it, but it, but I'll tell you, it's just as much work sure. to, or more work to write a forty-six page book as it's taking to write two hundred page books. Yeah, yeah. I think the key. Don't think it's any easier. Yeah. I think the key is it's uh, very focused. It's very focused, and we had to make sure to both hit the big idea and apply all the how-to in there and make it entertaining enough so that you can want to keep reading it because, again, so, so much distraction in there, um, you know, and, and tie into to, to some of the, you know, humanistic side of this. Um, you know, we used our own personas for this. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's all planned out there. But, it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's rewarding to see people, you know, using it and getting big benefits out of it immediately. Absolutely. Uh, and now I'm busy applying it to my new startup as well. So, uh, you know, that's, that's a whole nother uh, venture that we'll be able to talk about soon that uh, is really focused in on bringing big data in for um, the average business that's in the brick and mortar world to compete with an Amazon. Oh, very cool. Uh, definitely a need for that. And I know some people have been trying to crack that one, but uh, I think that's a huge market. Uh, even the Nielsen's and those kind of folks out there uh, seem, seem to be missing that market. Well, I think I think we've got something where it'll make it so easy for people. Well, the the first one we're going to be tackling is how do you pick the right location for your customers? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so it's a business called Ideal Spot. So is your business in the ideal spot or not? Yeah, and we'll cool. be able to tell you. All right, my friend. We'll uh, appreciate you joining me today, and we'll uh, probably catch up with you out there somewhere on the road. I look forward to seeing you, and uh, I'll probably see you in uh, uh, in Denver next year. All right. 